Hey everyone, we have something a little different for this episode. A business owner, a political science professor, and a supply chain professional sat down for a chat. They had a very short general discussion about the Canadian trucker convoy and what they think it may mean for truckers and their future. Not just in Canada and the entirety of North America, but everywhere. Now this is a very hot and current topic and more details are coming in by the day. So let us know, do you agree with some of our analysis? Disagree? Should we revisit this discussion at a later date? Let us know your thoughts at www.ilevelogistics.com or you can email us at admin at ilevelogistics.com. Hope you enjoy. But you have right. something like this in Canada being going from an understandable discussion about something they don't like to this whole version of domestic terrorism or whatever the hell they're calling it now. You're putting... Now that the spotlight is on transportation, you're putting a big dark cloud over that spotlight. That's the way I look at it, at least. And, you know, Mark, from your standpoint, looking at the political angle of that, I mean, I I don't know. Do you you believe that anything nowadays has, they all have a veneer of politic on them as far as I can see. Maybe I'm wrong in this, but that's the way I feel about it. No, well, it was politics. I mean, it is. It, It was directly pointed at the prime minister, um, Trudeau. What, you know, any protest wants, um, particularly when they're pointing right at the the capital of a city, but, you know, Ottawa, the capital of uh, Canada, they want attention, right? The, this thing became, um, you know, a January 15th deadline about, uh, I believe that <clears throat> unvaccinated truckers have to be in quarantine and uh, have a, a COVID test across two weeks before they can cross right. the border. So that was kind of the match, you know, that it really pissed off truckers. How many? We don't know. With the, you said that now that supply chains in the, the prominence and transportation industry is, is where it's at. That's precisely why we saw we see this strike, because there's everybody's paying attention to it now. So it's it's. Um, on everybody's radar, and it's significant now. So they, uh, all the different parts of transportation have more leverage um, for whatever they want. You can see the ports of LA got everything they wanted, right, uh, from the president. Now it's trucker's turn, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly to me, though, it, it's, you know, it, and it's a growing phenomenon, and it really almost doesn't matter kind of beneath the surface who's pushing what agendas. I mean, I think any protest that I've seen that gains any prominence over the course of the last freaking decade probably has had, you know, a lot of outside money, a lot of outside influence and multiple agendas layers, really. And I, I guess the kind of thing I keep thinking, and, and maybe you're making a counterpoint to it, but I look at the way this is being um, cataloged as a, it, it may help the industry in its entirety, getting more focus on points and getting more money allocated to certain things, things like that. But the one soft spot in the perception of our business has always been that entity that is the driver. It it just is. There's this philosophy, you know, someone my age, we go, okay, it's it's Smokey and the Bandit time. there's, There's all these kind of files that we put that trucking person into. And, you know, the funny thing is, and I, I'm not sure of Canada, but certainly in, in this country, depending on your geography, there are specific demographics that 
that clump on to this industry from the driver's side. You go to certain parts of the, you know, California is like a country in itself. You go to Northern California, you've got a lot of Pakistani Afghan nationals in, and uh, transfers and green card holders doing a lot of the trucking. Southern California, of course, is, is predominantly Mexican-American and, and Mexican nationals coming over. There are other parts of the country. I mean, I know Chicago has a huge Eastern European influence in the industry, and all those things are great. What's next, though? If the United States goes down this road, France is already doing some. Netherlands is paying attention to this in a way. England certainly will. So the transportation industries are all going to shadow what does it mean for a government like ours? Are they going to say this is going to be a national security issue and kind of shut it down and change the change everything or maybe push AI further? I don't know. Well, it's on its way, right? More than likely, these are going to be a lot of owner operators, whereas a lot of truckers who are employed as full-time employees at small or large trucking companies are probably going to be working. Government versus blue-collar worker type deal instead of just this one isolating detail of vaccination mandates and crossing the border from Canada to the United States. It's become very much this uh, very polarizing symbol of freedom in all aspects of life against government. And as many people who are supporters of the convoy would say tyrannical government decisions. You said symbolism. Because that's what drives politics more than anything, because we can't touch this. We can't see this. We, we don't even know what the media is, how they're representing it, whether it's this or that or other things. But the symbol is more important than the reality. It's the, it doesn't matter whether there are actual truckers there or real people there. It matters that this thing has gotten um, leverage. It's got a movement and it's it's going to have to complete itself some way. However, um, they have one problem is it's politicized, right? So it could be an economic problem, but it's also it's going to be. Yeah, it's already one. It's getting out of control. And you ask where it's going to go. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I would have never yeah. guessed it would have went this far. Well, I think it's going to get bigger before it gets smaller. That's for sure. You know, all this comes down to kind of your circle of economics, really. You know, how how does this transfer money to the people that are looking to get it transferred to. You mentioned this about the Port of LA and how they got what they pretty much wanted from the Biden administration. Well, they got that because somebody flew in a helicopter over the sea of uh, giant ships sitting out on the ocean that are you know, stacked up a, a zillion miles long. So economically, we're not, we're not in silos as much as we used to be. You know, it's funny because I, I, was, I was thinking about this the other day and you know, the word ports, you know, I, I lived down in San Diego for years and you have a land port there, a couple of them, several of them actually. And then you have the ocean ports, the, the primary ones, in the United States, LA Long Beach, though New York has now gone into number two, maybe even number one uh, for a short period of time because of the, you know, uh, a lot of the boats going through the Panama Canal and up. But that, that word itself used to represent a geographic location, if you will. You know, a point in which things come in and out of some kind of geographic location and the infrastructure around that was built for that. Well, it's more than that now. It's been more than that for a long time, but I, I've kind of de developed more of this philosophy that it's, a, it's an ingress and egress from different economies. It's the crossover point. It's the touch point. It's where the Venn diagram crosses, you know. And 
that's an important element to think about when we talk about Canada, the United States, and Mexico, because ultimately we're one giant economy, even though there's some separation going on, that just the manufacturing, the raw materials, everything else is, is coinciding with each other. Mm-hmm. Now, those things may seem when you break it down to a, you know, a, a trailer full of blueberries in this, in this instance, it may seem like per carton, that's a very little amount. And you're right in saying that. But when you extrapolate that off uh, over across an entire supply chain system with all the necessary things that we have, forget the toys and all that other stuff that comes in that we don't need. All the stuff we really need at the grocery store is going to be inflating way beyond the, the, the kind of inflation levels we're seeing now. Because of something like this, the meat industry is, I know, a big deal in this in this avenue as well. And that's and that's exactly where you get people who really maybe have no understanding of the transportation logistics industry or they've never really thought about it before. This is how why we've been seeing so many people start to care. They all come down to the fact that our trade and, and getting things from point A to point B are much more expensive and complicated. And there are also these physical blockades like convoys <laughs> that make it yeah. even more difficult. A, a challenge with growing an economy across multiple countries and how if you pull that back in and have challenges within the supply chain or economically or politically or whatever, suddenly now you have this, this change where the avocados from Mexico, where you the labor is extremely cheap in comparison to the United States, are now more expensive than if you could buy one that grow, is growing right in your backyard. So it's it's something that you wouldn't necessarily sit and dwell upon until, like I said, you need <laughs> to make that walk. It it the likelihood is now that I'm thinking about it, the likelihood is the truckers are going to take the blame here. That's the real challenge the truckers have now. Uh, they could be the blame. Uh, group for this. I looked at the two um, headlines, one from Fox Business News and one from CNN Business News about this issue. So let me just read the CNN Business News one. Uh, Michigan workers could lose 51 million in wages because of the trucker protest. That was the headline. Uh, Fox, uh, Canadian trucker protest a day in the life and they interviewed truckers. Given those two headlines, you can kind of get a sense of what's going on. Does your business, does the logistics business reflect those two headlines? And what parts of it reflect those two headlines, if it does? Those two headlines, you know, show and the name CNN and Fox kind of describe where those things are categorized, of course, you know, where the leanings are. And there's this day in the life scenario where they're trying to be, you know, Every man, right? The the industry itself has quite a blend of ethnicities in the first place. And I bring this up for a second time because I think it's the the trucking industry, while maybe geographically centered around certain ethnicities in certain parts of the country and other countries, it's a blend of everybody. It's a socioeconomic thing, really. The idea of getting an interview with every man is great, but what's ending up happening, at least from a few of the things I've looked at on, on a variety of networks, you know, it's one thing to have the Port of L.A. Soroka have a conversation with Biden and discuss something in a blue suit and a, in a red tie about what they need to do there to develop better processes and things like that. It's entirely another thing to see a guy at 20 below frozen in Ottawa. It's There's such a dichotomy there that visualizing it from my point of view or what I would imagine somebody else looking at, they've already have a predisposition of what that means. 
Mm-hmm. And then when you when you you look at the CNN thing, you go, okay, shut down the plants because the truckers are shut down. How for the last two years, somebody else shut down the plants, right? All I'm saying is both those narratives are the wrong ones. Both of them, from my point of view, they select too far from the middle of our society. But the rest of us are sitting here right in the middle saying, you know, I just want food on my table. I want some kind of normalcy to come back to our existence. And I want everybody to quit freaking blaming everybody for everything. You do have people like, I know Dr. Julie, uh, Dr. Julie Panessi, I believe mm-hmm. was, was her name. She was a former professor at the Ontario here in university. And she did do a sort of speech at the Ottawa protest. I think it was last weekend. So you have some people who had this sort of academic uh, position. But then again, she's not a trucker. Most of the people I've seen supporting this online aren't necessarily truckers. They're just people who are in support of the idea of no vaccine mandates or, or, or like I said, the even greater question of, of rules they see unjust by a government they don't trust. And I would argue that probably a lot of the people who are in the streets of Ottawa, wherever else in Canada, and soon to be the United States, a lot of them probably aren't truckers at all. Uh, they're for, you know, their own feeling about the situation, but not because they feel like their careers in any sort of jeopardy. Uh, it comes down to, again, a symbol of, of what they believe. So what within logistics, would who would side with the truckers and who wouldn't? Majority of Canadian truckers are vaccinated. Truckers in general seem to be willing to do what they what they're told to do in order to work. Then you look online and there are plenty of plenty of truckers out there who are not in support of what's going on in Canada. So on one hand, you have to say, what is the deciding factor? Is it really just a, p- a political affiliation? Because your career does not define your political affiliation, no matter what certain media outlets want to define as, you know, a trucker's political affiliation is a right-wing conservative. That is not the case. A very diverse group of people who work in the trucking industry. Most people don't care about these things unless it's directly impacting their life in their house. And that's the reality of all of these situations, is that it's all personally reflective on on what's going on in their day-to-day. The people who are at these protests usually are geographically close that what people care about is what's closest to them, their own personal economics, right? Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, I think that some of the aspects of this trucker thing that's going on now is frankly going to harm smaller businesses even more. There are people that can afford to push more money to the, the truckers and people that can't. So what I hear from both of you is that there's not much uh, depth of support at all for truckers uh, on this Outside. particular mission they're on within the logistics community. Um, and to say if, if we compared it to say the port crisis, you saw a lot more support for the ports. You, you shut down everything and you put a kink in the hose and then you turn on the water, the water not gonna run. And if you just open that hose up, man, poof, the water is just flying out all over the place. Right now the kink in the hose is the only bridge, the ambassador bridge that goes from Windsor to Detroit. The question isn't whether there's a kink in the hose. The question is, is who's making the kink? It's the same thing with the geographical location thing I was talking about. If your small trucking business, your whole shtick is you are doing it, the trifecta of California, 
Arizona, Nevada trips, you're probably not going to be feeling it so much when there is a 17-hour traffic jam in Maryland. You will down the road if that traffic jam continues for weeks and weeks and weeks, but we're not at the weeks and weeks and weeks yet. Is this really a trucker thing or has it become something evolved beyond that? You know, time will tell on this, but it's going to have to evolve through its process. And the interesting thing is, will the U.S. government learn anything from what the Canada government's doing? Well, if you think about a trucker's job, too, it's a very restrictive job. Then on top of that, you've got all sorts of uh, regulations for safety. And so one more push, one more piece of regulation, it's it's you know for those who don't want to take vaccines, yes. But it, there's a, lots of people who took the vaccines but still empathize with that position. But now there's this blanket stereotype being sort of uh, waved over the whole thing all over again now with this North American I'll you know, I because this will extend past Canada, this North American view of a trucker. The blame is laid right down at the feet of those that are the, the touch point for all your customers, and that's the driver. And it, it, that's a very unfortunate thing. And it does drive the narrative that's going on in the industry right now, especially in the United States, to start the mentorship uh, under 21 program. A cascade of events that occur and it, it's so funny how, to me, it just takes a little shove. It's just the tipping point. It's like all the things you were telling, telling, saying earlier, all it takes is a little shove and this whole number of dominoes start to fall. So we may look back in a week, we may look back in a year and say, here are the dominoes that fell, but they're going to fall and it's going to change the industry. And it's just how dramatic and how expensive it will be. Now, the, the counter to that is that the, the industry itself on a transactional basis for 20 plus years has been really stagnant on the cost of doing business. So there's some of that's drawn by efficiencies and technological advances and things that are going on, but, but a lot of it has been downward pressure on the same people we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Driver pay overall has been pretty stagnant for 20 years. Yep. And now there's this opportunity Back to probably the first thing one of you you two said was there's an opportunity for the trucking industry to look at and say, we want ours now. Everybody else is getting theirs. We want ours now. And they control that faucet on that hose. And they're doing it at these bridge points and at these ports of entry and exit. And that's going to continue. And let's not forget that truckers were part of the a group of people who were labeled as, you know, heroes early in the pandemic because they had to go to work when everyone was concerned about their health and, and didn't know what to do and there was really no options. So they were forced to go to work anyway. And now they're being tri- trivialized again. And uh, when the pendulum swings like that, you're always going to have a bit of have a hostile reaction. You know, truckers in general are small business people and everybody gives them respect rhetorically. But when it comes to it, they don't get nearly as big a chunk of that pie as everybody else gets. No, greatly overlooked. And if you want to talk stuff like driver shortage, you know, people retiring and not a lot of people showing up to take their place in the next generation, next generations. Well, (laughs) what a great way to entice a generation of people to become truck drivers label them all in the worst possible way you can. Uh, truckers in the 70s had a good reputation. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a positive one. Hollywood movies were based on the, the entrepreneur, the freedom of truckers. 
There was a song in the 70s called Convoy. To, to me, the, the underlying aspect of a lot of this is that there's this desire to change immediately and dis disruptively instead of, lack of a better way to put it, baby steps toward mutually acceptable goals. And in, until we, you have a PR representative that actually knows how to speak to each side the right way, you don't get that cohesion. And that's, that's, that's been around forever. And, but the only time it changes is when we people sit down and talk about it. And that's hopefully what's going to happen on the next level of this.